Okay, good afternoon everybody. Claire Rees here from Intrabiz Sweden and today I have with me Jamie and Jamie is a public speaker with a difference. He specializes in leadership, he brings his talks to life with fascinating examples of how to learn the skills needed in our everyday lives as well as in business. He spent over 10 years as a senior executive level in business. Jamie really engages his audience with both his knowledge and experience. So come with me today and enjoy um, uh, Jamie's speech and what he's got to say to us here in Sweden. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks for having me, Claire. You're welcome. Looking forward to this. Great. So let, let's let's start then. First of all, um, who you are and um, what you actually do. So as you said, my name is Jamie. For those of you looking at my name on the screen, it's pronounced Giovanelli, but don't worry if you get that wrong. That's <laughs> absolutely fine. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background of uh, why I've ended up doing this. So I started out in, in sales um, back in 1998. Um, if you want to say I don't look old enough, that's fine. Um, but I started, and I had no clue. I had absolutely no clue what I was doing. And I started, it was actually in car sales. I was in the motor trade for, for almost 20 years. And uh, I, I got a job. Um, I got trained on the job. And my manager was absolutely terrible. But mm. the reason that's kind of amusing to me now is I didn't know he was terrible. Because then I got another job. Um, and that manager was exactly the same. And it wasn't until about six years into my career doing it that I started working for another company. I started gradually building my way up. And I had um, uh, a manager that, mm -hmm. that employed mm -hmm. me. And he's someone I refer to so much now in my talk to Dr. Ian Hopkins. Um, and he's now retired, but I still, still speak to him regularly. Um, and it was him that made me realize that the way things had been for the last six years were not normal. I thought they were normal because I knew no different. And I actually spent uh, eight years working for, Ian, for a company. And he made such a difference to me that as I then moved on again, uh, once I'd finished there, it's, I sort of went backwards in terms of how we were being led. And it sort of made me realize, oh, hang on a minute, why is, why is everyone so different when ultimately it should be the same job? And a few years go past and I, I, I worked for another company and I was so disappointed that he wasn't still my leader there. Um, and like I say, I still speak to him now and I, I, I ring up and I'll ask him questions and sometimes he, he says what a great idea something is and sometimes he'll tell me, go, go back and rethink that one if I were you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it got to the point I was working at senior executive level for, um, actually for BMW and it got to the point I realized, do I want to be doing this for another 20 years? Now, there's huge parts of the job that were fantastic, I really enjoyed, but there were parts I just, I was getting frustrated because the way it was run, mm -hmm. um, and I don't mean that I wanted everything my own way, I'd just seen how it could be done so much better. Mm. And, and I wanted to make a difference really, and I got to the point, I was like, can I do this for the next 20 years? Or do I actually want to help people become better at their jobs. And as we, we naturally evolve and we change over time, and that's what happened. I wanted to help people more. So people now say to me, oh, you're a motivational speaker. And I, I am not a motivational speaker. 
I'm an educational speaker. Okay. But very quickly, the difference is an educational speaker is people like myself, where we have learned through years and years of experience um, and training. And what we want to do is we want to educate other people to help them become better at what they do. A motivational speaker is someone very different. They have interesting stories to tell, generally have been through something rather a, a, a huge grandeur themselves. And they can explain how their, their mind and everything got through it to where they are today. Mm -hmm. I don't have those interesting stories, but I have the experience I like to try and share with people to, to, to help them better themselves if that's what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Mm. That, that's, that's a, I think for me as well, you know, it, it's like we've always um, come across those bosses, haven't we, that uh, you just think, oh, well, I could actually do their job 20 times better than what they, they are actually doing. Because you want to be led you, when you're, you're actually working for somebody. You want to be led in a positive way so that you can actually, you know you're doing a good job and you want to do a good job for yourselves. Yeah, of course you do. I mean, there's, there's a big thing I always say to people. Um, there's, there's a huge difference between management and leadership. And a very simple way to explain it is, to be honest, anybody could go into a job and become a manager. Yeah. Uh, a manager's job is basically, in very, very, very simple terms, is to delegate tasks. You have a, an end game, and it's to delegate tasks to people who work for you mm. uh, and to get jobs done. And at the end of it, you can, you can track their progress along the way, and, and the ultimate goal is to get that job done. Mm. A, a leadership role is very different. You'll have people at the very, very tops of companies that are not good leaders at all. But you'll have people that work on, you know, effectively the, the ground floor, the, the shop level, and, and they, they will have great leadership skills, but they're not utilized properly. Mm. Some people find it quite natural, uh, and some people have to work at it, and that's not an issue at all. Um, but there's a very, very big difference. Um, and I've had companies say to me in the past, would you come and do a management course for our, for our senior managers? And I said, well, I, I can, that's not what I do. Mm. What I want to do is teach you skill sets mm. and become better leaders. Mm. So a quick story. I, many, many years ago, I actually got sent away for a three-day course, to do a leadership course. And I'll never, ever forget this. And it's to me, which is one of the reasons why I, want, I like doing what I do now, is the gentleman in question who was running the course came up at the front at the start. And one of the first things he said to us was, if you pay attention and you do what I tell you to do, at the end of this course, you will be a good leader. And I thought, what a ridiculous thing to say. Mm -hmm. How can you become a good leader in three days? It's, it's impossible. What you can learn is the skills that are necessary, but then what you have to do is take those skills away. Mm -hmm. You have to adapt them into your own style mm -hmm. and you have to constantly, constantly practice them. Yeah. Um, Something I say a lot, is I, I'm a huge sports fan. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't really matter what the sport is. I, I, I love my sport. Um, and if you talk to any professional sports person and say, to, and say to them, how did you get good at what you did? It's, it's repetition. It's because they keep doing what they've learned. So um, we had an online event a few weeks ago with Intrepids, uh, mm -hmm. and there was an Olympic athlete, Jamie Walsh, on there. Mm -hmm. And he's a perfect example. Because what happens is he gets good at something and then he keeps doing it. So if he stopped doing it, if he stopped running for a year and went back and carried on, he would not be anywhere as good as he was when he left. Mm -hmm. The fact he constantly practices it 
is why it gets better and better and better and in the end reaches the absolute pinnacle which is going to the Olympic Games uh, and you can use I, I use Jamie Walsh as an example there because we, we had a, an online team the other day but you can use any professional sports person in the world mm. um, the more you practice something the better you become so when this guy stood up and said in three days I'll make you great leaders um, it, it made me laugh internally um, some people loved it because at the end of it they got their, their certificate to take away yeah. to put on their wall in their office and now they're the leader mean a thing. <laughs> what, what actually that matters is yeah. practicing it yeah. getting good at it and other people when you see them improve that's how you know it's working Absolutely. And I, I think what, what, you know, I always connect these type of um, learnings to whatever learning I've ever done and whatever learning other people has done is that once you've got that certificate, it doesn't mean that you're the expert. It gives you the it gives you the the um, the knowledge and the experience to go out there and implement it. It's like driving a car when you learn to drive a car. You know, I, I said to my son, you might have passed your driving test, but you can't drive yet. Wait until you're about 60. <laughs> And then you can say you can drive. <laughs> like you said, there is you use driving the car as an example. Yeah. It's learning the different skills of, of driving the car. Yeah. So can I steer? Can I use my mirrors? Yeah. Do I know how to indicate? Can I go backwards? Yeah. Can I put it sideways into a space? All different skill sets. But I want to take you for me through, for me, after years and years of studying this, there's eight different skill sets okay that make a great leader so i'm going to take you through them and they culminate the first seven culminate in number seven, in number eight so they are, they're in no particular order um, but they are empathy mm-hmm. perspective accountability vulnerability morality you can put ethics under morality but to be honest we should all be ethical anyway so morality mm-hmm. communication authenticity one of the most important uh, and if you use all, all seven of those together, what actually happens, it comes to trust. You cannot get trust of somebody from day one. It doesn't work. Like that. Our, mm. our brains are not trained mm. to instantly trust people. Mm. It takes time. You have to show them different things that will ultimately come to them trusting you. Mm-hmm. There is a caveat to that, and that there is one person in the world that will trust you from day one, mm. and that is your child. I don't know yeah. how many people listen to this or have children. I have one. Um, your child understands from day one when you pick them up yeah. that they can trust you. Mm. To be honest, they understand they can trust anyone because you're holding them and you don't drop them and they're happy with that. Yeah. Um, but they understand trust from day one. Anybody else, it takes time. You mm-hmm. cannot build trust from day one. Mm-hmm. You look at networking, Claire, obviously this is, this is your area of expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, people come to networking you may meet someone there and you don't you don't trust each other after day one it doesn't work like that it doesn't just click your fingers and it, and it happens mm. it takes time you speak to them again and again and again mm-hmm. and, and one of the most simplest examples of this is Claire are you married or you have a partner you do yeah so sorry I'm married yeah, <laughs> yeah so, you to think about that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when you met your partner yeah that, that very first time you met them you didn't love them and you didn't trust them because you didn't know them. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. What actually happens over time is you get to know each other. You go on a date, you go for dinner, you do whatever. You, you then spend more and more time together. Mm. You 
stay at each other's house mm-hmm. and eventually someone leaves a toothbrush in there to say I'm, I'm not going anywhere I'm staying here for a while and I know the key to the door and then you wake up one day and you go yeah this I, I trust them and I love them and that's how relationships are built yeah so whether it's in your personal life or your business life they work in exactly the same mm-hmm. way and we can't get that overnight we have to accept that these things take time mm. and the more and more we practice them the better and we will get mm. and the more people will trust us do you think as well you've just planted that seed in my head as well do you think in businesses when you employ somebody is that it's expected to have that trust straight away and we forget about building those relationships in our business then to create those relationships with the people that we're working with Sorry, Kate, can you just say that again? It actually just went really quiet halfway oh, sorry. through that. Um, do you think in businesses and in the workplace, you know when you actually employ somebody, um, do you think that that trust is expected straight away when you've employed them? They, you, you, you've gone through the interview process, they come through the door, and that you're ex- you're, you've got that expectation then of uh, it's, is it going to be a direct question. relationship? What happens in reality and what happens in people's idealistic mind is, mm. is very, very different. So in reality, what happens, you start a new job um, and you go in and people will not give you lots of their time. That's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. Um, they'll make you welcome. They'll make you feel welcome. Uh, they'll ask you about yourself and your family, etc. But there won't be a, a, a level of trust. There won't be, mm. you know, I'm going to give up half my day to do this with you and this with you. Rightly or wrongly. Um, I think a level of trust is expected both ways from the company to the employee and vice versa Um, but it does it will take time Mm. Um, I think as if you go in as the new employee you want to go in and show people that you are good at your job Mm. Um, you've got to justify why they've employed you you want to go in and show people that you can be helpful and you can be useful to them Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time you understand that like I say, you have to justify why you're there. Mm. And it's it's expected, but I think everybody has to get the understanding mm. that it takes time and it, it isn't going to happen straight away. Yeah, and I suppose that's with networking as well, like you said, is because you need to bring... It, it's, it's not worth just turning up and expecting to gain that trust straight away. It's building that relationship and... Yeah, absolutely. The... Um, you've probably seen it a million times already, mm-hmm. and I have doing networking. Is I've been to events and I've spoken to people for maybe ten minutes, and all that's happened is they've told me all about themselves, mm-hmm. and then tried to pitch themselves to mm-hmm. me to mm-hmm. get business from me. Mm-hmm. I don't have ever spoken to that particular person again. No. Um, so I, I used to have a little thing when I was. Um, as a regional director for, for a company, what I used to say to my guys when they were out on the road and meeting new clients, I want you to come back and when we have our next meeting, I want you to tell me five things about the person you're meeting. I don't want to have a business. Yeah. I, I, can, I can Google the business. Mm-hmm. I can find out everything I want. I can go into, we have here in the UK, we have a company's house. I can go on, I can find their personal details. I can find out when they were established and what their turnover was. I can find all that out myself. What I want you to do is go out and find out five things about that person as an individual Mm. and come back so when you have your second meeting not only is it more relaxed but you started that very first small step towards an element of trust Mm -hmm. because they they understand that you're not just there to pitch to them it's not I want your business and I'm going to leave 
It's let's get to know each other mm-hmm. and let's make it work. But if you do it properly, what will happen is um, you will understand their needs better. Mm-hmm. This goes into a little bit more of a sales thing, but you'll understand their needs better and you, you can build a better relationship. And I always, I always say the, the best business relationships ones that work both ways mm-hmm. because if it only works one way there's no longevity to it mm-hmm. eventually it comes to a standstill mm-hmm. and then it breaks down and once it breaks down you'll never get it back again mm-hmm. um, so if you learn it properly from the start and take a little bit longer and learn about the people and how you can help each other which we'll come on to later mm-hmm. um, it's, it's so much so much more important than just going in just to do a bit of business for the sake of it mm, definitely but just there's, there's one thing um, we have here Again, it may be slightly different in, in Sweden. Uh, hopefully, I'll come over later in the year and see you guys. Of course. Um, but here, if you say to somebody here, who do you not trust? Mm-hmm. Generally, the answer is politicians. Yeah. There's a reason we don't trust politicians. Yeah. I don't know if you have the same there, but we, we don't trust politicians here because of the, the way they answer questions. Mm-hmm. So what will happen is we'll, we sit on the TV every day. Uh, we'll ask a politician a question, and it can be something like, uh, if you get elected into power, how much money will you put into our national health service? Mm-hmm. And the answer is normally something along the lines of, well, I think what's important here is not how much we will do, but what, what our competitors have failed to do over the last 10 years. Yeah. And they'll talk about them and tell them what they haven't done. Mm-hmm. But you haven't answered the question. So what happens over time is we lose trust because we realize, well, hang on, they don't want to answer the questions that they find difficult. They only want to talk about what other people have done wrong to make themselves look better. So our level of trust in them decreases. Mm-hmm. And it, it gets to an all-time low and then we change parties, etc. So now if we look at that into a business term, most of us have worked, if we're honest, we'll put our hands up and say we've worked for a, an employer or a company or we've had a leader in that company that we don't trust. Mm-hmm. And then when you say to um, do you still work for them? Most people will say no. And you say, why not? And they say, because I don't trust them. Mm-hmm. And you let that sink in for a moment. And you think, wow, that's crazy. And th- th- this is people in their own minds now. Some people, unfortunately, still work for people that, that uh, they, they don't trust. But that's, that's another issue. Um, but if you work for an employer that you trust as an employer, your um, the loyalty in the company increases massively. It's not all about money. People won't always leave for more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and what you'll find over time is your company will get better mm-hmm. because they have built trust in you. Mm-hmm. And, and little things like that to try and get people to understand is so important. But it's not always just about the business. It's into your personal lives as well. And, mm-hmm. and like I say, we, we look at the politician side of things. We look at our partners. Uh, the, the element of trust is, is huge and mm-hmm. there's lots of different skills and lots of different steps we have to get to to get to that point mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's massive and, and it's, it's something I try and push quite a lot you'll hear me talk about trust a lot yeah yeah, definitely. So just go through because you actually said those seven points quite quickly then <laughs> of, go on. Your, your seven steps is that your, your, um, your seven steps to being a great leader you were talking about or was it or what do you think makes a, um, it's, it's like, for example, I had um, a company the other day and, you know, they said, Claire, I can manage, but I don't know how to lead. And there's a, and like you said earlier on, there's a great 
there's a massive difference between those both. But you said earlier on about your seven steps to leadership. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's seven different skill sets. Skill set, that that's you, right, yeah. They're skill sets, yeah. They're not, not key points, and they're just yeah. seven different skills. Yeah. Um, and so most people will, like, again, if I was on a stage now, I'd get people shouting stuff out. But um, yeah. the, most, most people understand that the communication is, is key. Yeah. Um, not just how you say something, but when you say it, lots of different things. As, as I said briefly earlier, I have morality. It, it's huge. And some people say ethics, and ethics is absolutely right. But we have to assume in our world that most people will act ethically. Yeah. And um, I think anybody who watches this and comes to your events will have a, a, a damn good level of ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, so. <laughs> so it's not really one you. <laughs> so it's not really one that you, you should be too concerned with, but you can put it under mm. uh, morality. Mm-hmm. One of them is is um, accountability. Um, I think that's fairly obvious of how that works. We can't take all the credit when we don't want to take some of the blame. Mm. Um, but one, if I can just touch on for a moment, is yeah. authenticity. Uh, and this is one that works in your personal life as well as as well as your business life. So mm-hmm. let me give you a, a little scenario. So I, I sort of mentioned it briefly there, but I say you go into a bar. Uh, a lot of my stories revolve around bars, so I don't know if that says more about me than, than, the, than anyone else listening. But other bars also. It's, it's a good illustration. Uh, we all, um, we can all. So let's say you go into a bar, yeah, and you meet you meet somebody who you think, well, they're they're very attractive, and you go and talk to them, and you start talking, you think, this is, this is amazing, yeah. There's a bit of reciprocation, and you say to them, well, what do you like doing? Uh, what you know, what's, what's your hobbies in your spare time? And they say, I love uh, I love sewing. And you go, oh, I love sewing as well. Mm. And you have no idea how to sew. So they think, wow, they, he's really good. He, uh, he's nice to talk to. Uh, I find him quite attractive. Uh, and he likes sewing. That's amazing. I've never met anyone who likes sewing in my life. So you mm-hmm. say, let's go on a date. Mm-hmm. So you go on a date. And by the second date, you get to know each other a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And they will say to you so when did you start sewing and you go oh yeah I forgot I said that um, <laughs> yeah I, just, just recently to be honest yeah. yeah and they go how recently and you go well tomorrow <laughs> yeah. and what happens is instantly you're not being yourself no because you're trying to make up for what you said mm-hmm. so eventually you will get found out mm-hmm. and it's not about lying because it's very difficult in business. Um, sometimes it's very difficult to be very, very honest. Uh, and uh, I don't mean blatantly lying to people. I had it before. A junior member of staff came to me and said, I've heard we're going to go into a merger with this other company. Is that true? Mm. Now, I couldn't say, yes, that's true, because mm. we're all under non-disclosure agreements. Yeah. But I also, I can't say to them, no, that's absolute rubbish. I don't know where you've got that from. Because yeah. that's an outright lie. Mm-hmm. So you have, to, you have to sort of put it in a certain way. I said something along the lines of, um, oh, wow, where have you heard that from? And yeah. he said, oh, I heard so-and-so saying, and said, oh, leave it with me. I'll look into that. And uh, once I've heard something, I'll come back to you. Yeah. So I didn't say yes or no. Yeah. Which some people say it's a very politician's answer, which is what you talk about. And I get that. Yeah. There's some things you can't say. Yeah. But eventually, you'll get found out if, mm. if you 
constantly lie, if you're not authentic to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a guy I follow a lot with Simon Sinek, and he tells a great story where he says, um, if you went up to your, let, let's say you went, went up to your husband one day and said, mm-hmm. how should I dress so that you will like me more? Mm-hmm. Or you went up to your friends and said, how do you want me to behave mm-hmm. so, so you'll like me even more? They're going to say, well, just be yourself. That's why we like you. Yeah. That's, what, that's why you're here. That's why I'm married. That's why you're my friend. Mm-hmm. But that's the same thing as basically saying to someone, you know, you should be like this or why don't you do this? It's, there's so many different ways of doing it. Mm-hmm. Authenticity is so important. Mm-hmm. And again, once it's a skill that you understand and you learn, people will trust you more. Yeah. And the, and the, the more of these skills you can get, the more and more people trust you. And that, everything will come back to trust. There's, um, there's a few dates that I, I often talk about in my speeches. So mm-hmm. I just, I'm going to jump to one of them now, yeah. um, just, just while we're on that subject. So the date is somewhere between 382 and 322 BC. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is not going to be an exact quote, but it comes from Aristotle, who was obviously a great philosopher of his day. Yeah. And he, he said... We are what we repeatedly do. Yeah. We are what we repeatedly do. Mm-hmm. Like I say about the sports sports stars, they repeatedly do it, they get better. Mm-hmm. And he also says that that excellence is not an act, it should be a habit. Mm-hmm. So if you constantly learn the skills you set out to learn, you'll become better and better. Like mm-hmm. I said, that's not an exact quote. There was a book in 1926 called The Story of Philosophy, which was written by, by a guy called Will Durant. And obviously there's, a, there's probably a slight translation in there somewhere. But we are what we repeatedly do, and, and I always remember that. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, that I follow quite religiously. Mm-hmm. Um, if you if you want to learn something, keep practicing it. So mm-hmm. I relate back to when the guy said to me, if you listen to me for three days, you'll be a great leader. It's just a, just a nonsense statement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Do you want me to, I tell you some of the other dates which, which relate to um, some of the skill sets, if, if you want to entertain me for, for a couple of minutes on those. Yeah. Um, on the 28th of August in 1963. Yeah. Does that ring any, any bells? I normally got one person who gets this right, but it's only me and you now, so I feel like I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, no, bit. no, no, and I'm rubbish <laughs> at this. So, yeah, that was 10 years before I was born. <laughs> Say that again. That was 10 years before I was born. <laughs> yeah, me too. But, uh, it's the 28th of August, 1963. Yeah. One of the skills, authenticity again, great story, was the day that Dr. Martin Luther King stood up on the March to Washington. Of course. And told the world that he had a dream. Mm. Um, now, what do you got to remember back in those days? That there was no social media to advertise what he was going to do. Mm. What actually happened was a quarter of a million people turned up to listen to his dream mm-hmm. and the reason they turned up was not because they wanted to hear about his dream so his dream was civil and economic rights and term racism in very simple terms they didn't turn up to listen to him talk about his dream mm-hmm. the reason all those people made the effort to turn up was because they had the same dream yeah they believed the same thing as him mm-hmm. because he was authentic to himself and that's what he wanted, and he was he was proud to tell the world. All the other people that had the same dream as him, and all of them, but a quarter of a million people of them, turned up to listen to him. Mm-hmm. So what that shows is two things. One, he was being authentic to himself, 
And number two, he, he understood that not everybody would agree with that. Now, mm. unfortunately, we still live in a world where some people still don't agree with that, but mm. that's a whole other topic way above my education mm. level. Mm. Um, but they all had the same dream, and nowadays more and more people have that dream. Mm-hmm. And it, but it, that's where it started. So he understood he can't attract everyone, but he attracted the people that believe the same thing, mm-hmm. and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Well, another date, which, which I always talk about, is the 24th of June, 1995. I'm a huge rugby fan. It was the Rugby World Cup final. It was South Africa against New Zealand. Yeah. And it's known for Nelson Mandela, uh, Nelson Mandela uniting a nation, yeah. as he called the Rainbow Nation. He, there's a story he went into the, the dressing room beforehand to speak to the players and he was in tears. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a man who is widely regarded as the greatest leader of our time. Mm. And he came out with, with a very, very simple sentence that day. Okay. He said, sport has the power to change the world because it has the power to inspire. Yeah. And it has the power to unite people in a way that little else does. Mm-hmm. You look at it recently last year with, um, with South Africa winning the, the Rugby World Cup again. We won't talk about the fact they beat England because it's still a little bit sore to me. <laughs> you still haven't got <laughs> over that yet, have you? Not the story. <laughs> You're not bitter. This has the power to unite people in a way that little else does. Yeah. And it's so true. But the the, 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 the sentence earlier, it has the power to inspire. Mm-hmm. How many pe- how many people that watch something as a child and went, yeah, I want to I want to do that. I want to be like that. Mm-hmm. I want to be that sportsman. I want to be that. Yeah, you know, I want to do what she does. I want to do, do what they do because it's inspired them. Yeah. So your job as a leader is to inspire someone to become the best they can be. Yeah. And while that was in a sporting context, doesn't that work in every aspect of our life? You look at our children. I think we all dream for our children that they can become the best they can be, mm-hmm. and we actually want them to become better than we we could ever be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just a dream of inspiring them we want to inspire them mm-hmm. to become the best they can be yeah that's, that's leadership yeah right it's parenting as well that's yeah. leadership and and for me it, it's absolutely amazing the other day which I won't, I won't bore you with too much is the 12th of december 2014 uh which is actually where my daughter was born and it's sort of this is when actually all this started clicking with me hang on I need, I, need to, I need to be a better person so, so she can be on the best she can be. Mm-hmm. I need to learn more. I need to learn about how I can be better. Um, and this is how this whole story came about me end up sitting here talking to you today. So I think maybe what I'm getting, and this click, like clicking with, with me as well, is that, that leadership is about being is knowing who you are and finding out the person that you are so that you can lead by an example. Because that's one thing, isn't it? When you're telling people what to do and how to do it, it's not so inspiring for them. you just got the robot so type person. telling people what to okay. do is, is basically management. Yes. That's a manager's job. So leadership uh, skills, yeah. Mm. yeah. Um, but as you, as you said there, leadership is inspiring to do it well. It's showing them how to go. It is, you said leading by example. Mm. It is, but that can be in every aspect of life, mm. I believe. Um, but it's... If, I go back to, to Ian Hopkins, who, who I use as, a, as the inspiration behind all of this, really, for me. Um, I've actually sat down and spoke with him, and he said to me that was never his aim. He said he wants everyone to do well, but his aim is not set out to be a great leader. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's natural instinct, and 
as he's admitted to me before that he learned certain skills and he tried to make the best of those skills mm -hmm. understanding himself we can't yeah. all be perfect um so if we have to understand ourselves first mm -hmm. and the more we can do that we can use the skills and what will actually happen is somebody else will then start to learn their own way mm -hmm. um i i use it now as a like i say as a as sort of example for me um and i look back and in fact i'll tell you a story uh Somebody once said, who's your best teacher when you was at school? Do you remember that, who they were? I remember my best teacher, yeah. Her name was right. Mrs. Davis. Yeah. yeah. Now, if I said to you, name the other 10 teachers that you had, it's probably quite difficult. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> you can name some of them, I but not all of them. Yeah, no, no. So the fact that everyone can still remember, mm. you know, obviously me and you are what, probably early 20s now, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, of course. That's, that's a couple <laughs> of years. That's why you had um, me thinking. But we can all remember our favourite teacher. Yeah. Now, can yeah. you imagine if in 30 years' time you ask, some, uh, you ask somebody, who is it that inspired you? Mm -hmm. And they said your name? Yeah. How amazing would that be? That's a great achievement, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's not all about us, no. but we have an element of self-pride. Mm -hmm. We have an element of wanting to achieve for ourselves. And that, that's nothing wrong with that. And the best example I can give, I'll go back to, to sport. Um, the best example I can give is there's two people um, at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. So one of them is probably one of the greatest athletes of our generation. Um, he was a multiple winner at the, the peak of his sport. Um, he was adored by millions and millions of fans, and he's lost everything. Mm -hmm. And that person is Lance Armstrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he won, I think, seven Tour de France, so, so yeah. much other stuff. And yeah. he made a decision that he would cheat to make himself better. So what that has done over time, yes, he won everything while he was doing it. And mm. But when people first questioned him, are you cheating? He said, no. Mm. And they questioned him again, are you cheating? And he said, no. And this went on for years. Mm. And eventually he went on the Oprah Winfrey show and said, I'm a cheat. I, I, I take performance enhancing drugs. Mm. I have blood transfusions, got my oxygen levels, etc." And he came out and admitted he just a cheat from day mm. one. Now what actually happened there is he lost so much more than just his accolades. Mm. He lost his sponsorship deals. Mm. He lost all his corporate endorsements. Mm. And the biggest thing he lost was the trust of every single person that ever followed mm. cycling. Mm. And it finished, it's finished it. Yeah. He will never ever do anything like that again. Um, but I use another example. So um, I, I'm not I'm a huge football fan, but I quite like it. So there's a lot of argument about who's the greatest footballer in the world. Mm. I know you're in Sweden, but I can't say Zlatan for all the Swedish fans out there. Yeah. Um, in Ronaldo. Sweden, he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the greatest footballers yeah. of all time. And there was, he actually, there's a documentary recently, and I urge anyone to watch it. It was with um, Piers Morgan, who's a highly unpopular TV presenter here in the UK. Yeah. Um, he openly admitted that he wants to be the best. Yeah been authentic to himself mm. he's been honest he said I want to have all the records I want to win all the trophies 
But as he, he pushed further and further, what he actually realizes he wants to become the best so that other people in his team can become better and they can all achieve more together. Oh, that's so right. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, what you actually realize is people say he's arrogant. I, I don't think he, I, th- I thought he was for a while until I actually studied him a little bit mm. and tried to find out more. He, he openly admits he wants to be the best and there mm-hmm. is nothing wrong with that. Mm. But he does it so everyone around him can achieve more. Yeah. Isn't that what the sort of person we all want to work for? Yeah. Isn't yeah. that the sort of person we all want to be involved with? Yeah. I think I think it's amazing. Um, and my like I say, my perception of him changed hugely. Mm. Um, and I just think that we can all learn so much from actually follow, not following people, but actually learning from people we probably thought we couldn't learn from. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I think for people like that who are out in the, um, you know, in the in the world, and they 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 talk about their lives, and they talk about what they want, and they talk about the achievements, that inspires us as well to to actually learn from them as well, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, um, th- there's lots of people we we learn from throughout mm-hmm. our lives. So, um, you know, you you've got. You're probably two or three different businesses you have, and mm. you wouldn't just walk into one without knowing anything about it. You, you speak to people who've done it before you. Mm. You learn from uh, you know people with experience, and you ask questions, and you find out more and more and more. Uh, and that's absolutely that's that's the normal thing to do. A lot mm. of people are afraid to ask for help. Mm. Um, but but the, the truth of the matter is, we we can't actually achieve an awful lot on our own. We we do need people. Uh, and it's very difficult to get that across sometimes to say mm. to someone, accept help. Mm. I, I was a prime example of it for most of my life. Mm. Um, I thought I could do everything, and then you get to a point where actually I can't, and I, I need some help yeah. with this. Um, but it's difficult sometimes for people to understand who to ask, yeah. uh, where's the right place to go for advice. There's a, there's a guy I talk about, um, I, I think I actually did it in one of the interviews events before. There's a guy called Professor Robin Dunbar. Mm-hmm. I don't think you've heard of it, but he's uh, he's a British anthropologist and he studies evolutionary psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've read quite a bit of his work, and he specialises in primate behaviour. Yeah. He's done at Oxford yeah. University and Cambridge University as well as a few others. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, he also does cognitive and evolutionary anthropology, and he explains the way we change over the years. So he's okay. really really interesting guy if you're into that, which I am. Yeah, but he has a number. And he says, as a human being, we cannot uh, manage more than about 150 close relationships. Which, when it comes to networking, this, I think this is quite an important thing mm. people should remember. We, do, we just can't maintain it. Our brains don't have the capacity to have more than about 150 close relationships. Mm. Um, and he got this between, because he said there's a, there's a correlation between primate brain and the average social group size. Mm-hmm. So by using uh, the human brain and working out a lot of maths, which is probably far clever than I can do, he said that 150 is about the right number. Mm-hmm. Now, he said a stable relationship is somebody that you would be happy to engage in conversation with if you bumped into them in a bar. Again, a bar. I don't know. Maybe this is just what I love. Well, shopping. We'll go for shopping. Um, <laughs> Some people can say that you can do more than that. Yeah. Uh, they say it's between 100 and 250, but the common number is around 150. Yeah. And it's down to the, without getting too technically in science in it, it's the direct functions of your neocortex size, 
which is why some people can maintain a little bit more. Mm. But when, when you come to asking people for help and uh, knowing where to go, sometimes you can just ask, I'd say a random person, but somebody you know works in an office in another department, etc. Um, but you're not going to have that relationship with them. It's the same as the, the networking events. When people go there, they understand they can't. If you had an event with 300 people, yeah. there was no way you could get around those people and yeah. form a relationship in a day. Yeah. That's, it doesn't work. It's not possible. Yeah. And at some point, you have to give. You have to give a little mm. to gain from somewhere else. Mm. And that's where, when you build a relationship, the trust comes in. Yeah. Um, and you learn who you can and can't trust. You learn the skill sets, and you you gain the right the right connections to what you want. Mm. Um, but the idea of actually gaining help from from someone else, people can be a little bit shy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can be a little bit embarrassed to say, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Mm. I, I don't know the answers to this, which is vulnerability. Yeah, Another skill, being vulnerable and saying, I don't know this. Mm. I need you to help me before I make a, a damn big mistake and I yeah. can't back out of it. Yeah, um, They're all skills that be even... Even the most senior CEOs in the world, that the best ones will have these skills. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we we've we've gone on to 40, 40 minutes at the moment, Jay. It's, it, Jamie, it's been absolutely amazing to um, listen Can to I you. Can I finish with one thing? I was I just going to say, is there anything thing that you want to finish then. with? Yep. Um, I just want to because it, it's it's very very relevant to networking. So I think it's be quite good to, to put this in here. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if, if, you're, if you're a Friends fan, fan the, the series Friends. Yes, I like Friends, yes. There's a great episode which relates a lot to what I talk about, which is when Phoebe tries to find a thankless task, is it possible to perform a thankless task? Okay. Now, um, the idea behind it is to help somebody else that where you have no benefit to yourself. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of chemicals in our body um, that come out when we do good things. So things like, if we say, yeah, I'm going to help you there, and you help someone make money, you do an introduction on it, and someone makes money, mm. you think, well, I gain nothing out of that. Mm. Actually, what happens is, happens is you, you um, release chemicals like dopamine, which make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you get these good feelings, what you actually want to do is go and do it again and again and again. Mm-hmm. That's, why we keep, that's why we keep having sex. It's yeah. because it feels good. Yeah. Some people do it to procreate, but that's up to them. <laughs> uh, but we do it because it feels good. Yeah. Um, because we get the release of chemicals. Yeah. When it comes to networking, I would say go out and help people. We mm-hmm. cannot achieve what we want to achieve on our own. No. Be prepared to speak to people. Mm-hmm. Be prepared to help people. Um, and eventually what happens is you get the good feeling and you actually get... Your, your mental health becomes better, which is a huge thing at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, be prepared to do it. You won't always get something for yourself. That's okay. Yeah. Learn, learn to help other people as well. Yeah. It's, it's good to have our own opinions, and it's good to understand the way we feel. Again, authenticity. Yeah. But be prepared to, to help other people in the network if, if that option, if the opportunity arises. Absolutely, I totally, one hundred percent agree that, and and you you just get you just get that amazing feeling. You, you know, it's like it's like with us with the dog sledding as well as with with networking and building businesses up. If you can help people and put a smile on somebody's face, it it does even that split second can just make you feel good, which gives you motivation then to want to do more and help people more, doesn't it? So it, it's absolutely fabulous. yeah. 
Well, Jamie, it's been a pleasure, an absolute pleasure listening to you. And we've got some loads of golden nuggets there. If anybody that you are planning on coming to Sweden and networking and, and hopefully doing business with some uh, Swedish businesses here, um, if anybody wants to get in contact with you, how can they get in contact with you? Um, so you can contact me via uh, my LinkedIn page, which is Jamie Giovanelli. The spelling is uh, is out there for you, so you haven't got to worry about remembering it. Yeah. Um, please message me on there. I have um, an actual program which I, I do train people as well as the speaking work. So you can contact me there. That's the 1090 program, yes. which is the word 10, the word 90, the word program, yeah. at yahoo.com. Please feel free. Um, otherwise, you know, contact me through Blair if, yeah. if there's something you want to hear more about. Uh, if you just want to ask some questions, I'm always available. Um, hopefully, yeah, we can connect and, and see where it goes. Fabulous. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been a, such a pleasure. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks, Claire. Cheers.